Hey everybody, welcome back to Platonically Intimate. Here we are, season three, episode three, and uh, I'm super excited to bring back a quiz today, first quiz of the season, if you don't count the poetry puzzle. Uh, I am Isaac, sitting very far away from me is co-host Joe. Yep. We, I would say across the table, but I'm actually facing the wrong direction, so you're behind <laughs> me somewhere, actually. I, I actually don't know which direction I'm facing right now. I'm, <laughs> cardinal directions are one of the banes of my existence, <laughs> so... Everyone has I, to I really tonight. should. Actually, let me think, let me think. I'm probably, I should be facing west right now. Because... Okay, so we're both facing the wrong direction, then. Yeah, yep. <laughs> nice. Well, anyway, uh, welcome back, and I'm just going to hop right into it. Uh, here yeah. is a quiz that I am so, so excited. This has been on my list of ideas since season one. Oh, my goodness. Uh, this is a quiz that um, I actually stole from a different podcast. It's the podcast that I first ever listened to. It's called Good Job Brain. Um, if you like our podcast, you will like that podcast. Um, but this quiz is called Brad Pitt or laser beams. <laughs> and basically what's going to happen is I'm going to present to you two things and you need to tell me which is older. Now, the, okay. the interesting thing about this quiz is the two items or people or structures or thing, whatever they mm-hmm. are, um, are going to be from vastly different sectors of the world. And so it's just kind of comical to compare right. them um, because all of these are within a decade of each other. Oh my goodness. So, uh, I'm going to at least have a 50-50 chance. Yeah, yeah. So, if you can get like 6 out of 8, I think that'll be pretty solid. That's a win. So, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Um Yeah, you are welcome to ask for like clarification. Some of these it's not exactly like What's what a I'm... laser beam? E- exactly. So, um some of them you you'll you'll kind of catch on with what I mean by that. Uh, but if it's a person, it's the day they were born. If it's a thing, it's typically when it was released to the public. Okay. But sometimes I wasn't able to find that. So sometimes it's the invention date. So you can feel Got free it. to ask. Um, right. And I will clarify. Country of origin. <laughs> All right. So we're going to start off with the first question. Question number one, which is older, Brad Pitt or laser beams? I feel like I know this one. I'm I'm pretty confident with my answer of Brad Pitt. Okay, Brad Pitt was born December 18th, 1963. The first successful test of a laser beam was May 16th, 1960. Laser beams are 3 years oh, older than shucks. Brad Pitt. I did not realize Brad Pitt was that old. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry Brad Pitt if you're listening. I did not mean that in a bad way. I just had no idea you had so many years under your belt. <laughs> All right, question number two. This is a hilarious question to me. Um, now, becoming a country is more complicated than one might expect in some ways and less complicated than one might expect in other ways. We're going for when it was recognized by the United Nations, okay? Okay. The world's newest country, South Sudan, or Minecraft, Ooh, Minecraft was, I'm not going to say a date because then I'm going to be horribly wrong. I'm just to do comparative <laughs> in my head. <laughs> Minecraft was probably around like the 1950s, if I remember correct. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with the South Sudan. That is correct. 
South Sudan, July 9th, 2011 is their Independence Day. Wow. The full release of Minecraft was November 18th, 2011. So just a few months between those. That was a real close Bride Pit laser beam moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was. <laughs> All right, number three. Nicotine patches or cell phones? I'm going to go with cell phones. That is correct. Uh, the first successful cell phone call was in 1973. I guess this is over a decade. The first study was published that demonstrated su the success of nicotine patches in 1984, 11 years later. Gotcha. I was going to say, I, I guess cell phones because a lot of people are surprised at how long cell phones have actually been around. It's just because yeah. their, their role in our in our society has changed over the years. But mm -hmm. you, you can make a mobile call in the late 70s. Yeah. Yeah, I think the first cell phone network went up in like 1976, somewhere in Asia. So uh, the first cell phone was by Motorola. Classic. Makes sense why it was in Asia. But All right, number four. The dedication of the Statue of Liberty or Pablo Picasso. I'm, I'm always re-surprised myself about how recent in history Picasso's work was. So I'm going to go with the dedication. That is incorrect. Oh! Uh, Pablo Picasso was born October 25th, 1881. The Statue of Liberty was dedicated October 28th, 1886. So Picasso Ooh. was about five years older than the Statue of Liberty. Yikes. I thought that one might trick you. I thought mm -hmm. you were going to say pretty much that and then guess the Statue of Liberty. So sorry about that, but uh, you just got played. I just got played hard. <laughs> Isaac was like oof, rubbing his hands together like this is going to trip Joe up so hard. <laughs> All right, number five, Oxford University or the First Crusade? <laughs> well, I, I know my crusade history, but I don't know much about Oxford. <laughs> um, I'm going to say the First Crusade is older. That is correct. So this one is actually, it's a little bit fuzzy because okay. uh, history from the 1000s doesn't always have exact dates. <laughs> right. So the first crusade was announced in 1095 and it okay. didn't end up happening until they, they left like late summer 1096. Um, Oxford University held its first class in 1096 and they don't know when in 1096. Uh, okay. So I, I decided that the first crusade was older. I'm officially right. a historian now. And, uh, nice. You got to decide. You heard it here question for us, folks. <laughs> All right, along with the name of this quiz, I stole one other question from Good Job Brain. Uh, this one is Betty White or sliced bread? <laughs> oh, boy. I am. Oh, I used to know when, when sliced bread was first made because I would always make the joke of, like, what would they compare things to before this year? This is the yeah. best thing since, I don't know, ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to go Betty White older. That is correct. Oh, Betty White, yes. January 17th, 1922. Sliced bread, first sold in 1928. It's funny that you made that comment about the best thing since sliced bread. They actually marketed sliced bread as the best innovation in baking since packaged bread. <laughs> this is the best thing since <laughs> Betty White. 
When, what were the years for those two? Uh, Betty White was 1922. Sliced Bread was 1928. Okay. All right, number seven. Color TV or Sputnik 1? Ooh, I... I might be totally wrong, but I feel like you couldn't watch uh, stuff about Sputnik in color TV, so I'm going to go with Sputnik 1. That is incorrect. Uh, I know it was in October, but I don't remember what year. You're right. Uh, color TV became commercially available in 1954. Sputnik 1 launched October 4th, 1957. Ooh, wow. So... Probably Russians didn't have access to color TV broadcasting, so. True. I was going to say, it definitely took a long time for color TV to be ready. Yes, it was not the standard in 1954. Final question, number eight. Electric guitars or helicopters? Helicopters were post-World War II. I'm going to guess electric guitars were older. That is correct. Electric guitars, 1931. However, helicopters had their first practical flight on September 14th, 1939. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. They they existed. They just didn't use them that much. Yeah. So if my scorekeeping is correct, you got five out of eight. Five out of eight. I beat the statistic. That's that's (laughs) a win in my book. All right. You you did use some knowledge. Unfortunately, I I did prank you on one question. So oh, no. if I if I hadn't uh put the Statue of Liberty and Picasso oh, one in there. That's um, true. You probably could have gotten 6 out you of it. You took down I, my ratio, man. You yeah. I put in a question that I thought you would get wrong. So, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it worked though. That is that's it impressive. Did. Yeah. All right, well, I think we're ready to move on to my favorite segment of the podcast, Fun Facts with Joe. In 1836, Alabama was the first state in the U.S. to declare Christmas a legal holiday. Huh. Very interesting. What year was that, did you say? 1836. So, 1836. older than laser beams, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Which came first, laser beams or Christmas? Or Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> nice. Well, Isaac, what would, you, what would you like to talk about for our, our, our middle subject today? Um, honestly? Would you care? I couldn't care less. Could not care less. I could not care less. Okay. No. Actually, no. I could care less. I could care less. As could I. So, I'm going to be honest. I'm glad we're doing this one. Uh, the phrase "I could care less" versus "I couldn't care less" because it is a definite mild pet peeve of mine. Mainly because there are several songs that use it incorrectly that have gotten oh interesting popular. I I know there's at least one by uh, My Chemical Romance. I think it's okay. teenagers. Okay. And they use the phrase, they could care less, to sort of denote that they don't care very much. Mm-hmm. But without the negative in there, English is such a funny language, without the <laughs> negative in there, it means that they're not at their minimum caring. Uh-huh. There's actually further to go in their don't give a heck mentality. <laughs> 
so to speak. Uh-huh. Sorry for the uh-huh. language. <laughs> we should talk about the etymology of heck. It's actually we it's should, actually pretty actually. bad. <laughs> I forgot to tell you, I almost put the explicit warning on uh, episode oh, one of this season, but I, I clicked off of it. That was that funny. funny. All right, yeah. So if someone if someone says I couldn't care less, they 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 do not care. They are uh, but it's very easy. Especially just the way we talk, the existence of contractions, and especially one being in the phrase, I couldn't instead of could not, um, it makes it very easy for us to lose syllables. And that's kind of how the phrase, I could care less, came into being. People just said it quickly, and it kind of moved on. Uh, When I was doing a very small amount of research for this topic, it's mostly just an angry rant from Joe and I, so (laughs) very little science to back this up. (laughs) What? Um... I came across a thing by the author of this article, and they were saying that they used to think that an instant pot was called an instapot for the exact same reason. The NT at the end of a word in the center of the phrase was just gone, mm-hmm. as people said it quickly. And so that's actually kind of an acorn. Um, yeah, it kind of is. Because insta is like commonly used to mean instant. And so it makes sense for it to be called an instapot, but it is called an instant pot. Right. This also goes into the uh, the thing that I know you definitely bring up occasionally as a joke about how contractions don't really save us like any time or uh, typing usually. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they're easier to say. That's I, I can agree with that. But it's just like, oh, saying the word couldn't instead of could not. Man, <laughs> yeah. I saved a whole space. Exactly. The whole character space. Exactly. Yeah. And even like like how you said, it doesn't actually save you any time. It might save you some effort because it is harder to say not than not. Yeah. But like, I don't Plus, know. It's not because of contractions, we're able to uh, put extra emphasis on something. When someone says, I could not care less, they're like, oh. True. They spent That's the interesting. Time. That's interesting. I've not thought of that. I think about that whenever I have to send like professional emails deciding whether to use a contraction or not. It's like how serious mm-hmm. do I want them to think I'm being right now? Yeah, that's kind of interesting. Until fairly recently, contractions were considered unprofessional. Right. And depending on who you ask, they probably still are. But I think yeah. they've become more accepted. I remember uh, I was writing a paper in college and I was just talking to my professor about whether or not it was illegal to use contractions <laughs> in my paper. And he was like, well, I don't care. <laughs> and like a, a reasonable amount of people agree with me. However, like there will people, be some who yeah. see that. Yeah. The, the safe, the safe bet is to say, I could not care less Yeah, when you're doing that kind of stuff until you figure out that, Oh, they, they use contractions in their e- emails all the time. It's fine. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, whenever I hear someone say that or uh, in a song or whatever, they could care less. And I'm like, then do it. I dare you. <laughs> care less. <laughs> I could care less. Sounds good. Stop talking about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Works great for me. Start doing that. <laughs> well, I couldn't. So please do. Do you have anything else to say about this subject? 
Not really. Not really. I, it's, it's a short one, but a, a, an oldie but a goodie, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Something I do care about is this episode's poetry puzzle. Ooh. All right. Uh, I think that I'm going to start off every segment of Poetry Puzzles with the previous week's answer. Last week, Smart. we had a limerick. I'm not going to read that poem. You can go back and listen if you want. But the answer to the limerick was Gustav Eiffel, a great architect. He made a green statue. He made the Eiffel Tower. And he developed a strange, fascina- strange fascination with aerodynamics in his later life. And by that, you mean he liked just dropping stuff down his elevator shaft in the tower. Literally, yes. That's exactly (laughs) (laughs) All right. This week's poem is an acrostic. Now, um, I I wanted to kind of throw a bone to those of you who haven't been able to figure out one of the puzzles yet. So an acrostic poem is a poem where each line, sorry, the first letter of each line is used to spell a word. And if you just read down the side of the poem, um, you can see what the poem is about. So if that's not a good enough hint for you, I don't think you're going to score any points in this contest. <laughs> but here is our acrostic for this week. Catch them in the lens, alone or with their friends, making memories exactly as you see. Reveal what I recall and hang it on the wall. That's this week's poetry puzzle. You have two weeks until... Episode four releases along with the answer to submit your answers to platonicallyintimate at gmail.com. We have received uh, an enjoyable amount of answers, so keep them coming. No one has gotten an incorrect answer yet, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, We also haven't published episode two yet. I was going to say, at the time of recording, episode two is not out yet. (laughs) We have have one data point, and it looks great. It looks great, yeah. Yeah. so people are going to submit, like, James Jamerson as the answer for episode two. And be like, oh, no. All right. All right. Bob Johnson. <laughs> All right. I think I'm ready to hear what Joe has for us. All right, Isaac. I'm going to talk about uh, one of my favorite games, not just for board games, I should specify. Okay. Uh, but we, I don't know if you and I have ever played it. Maybe once. I like this board game not for the gameplay mechanics or the game itself, but I kind of like the history behind it. Who knew? Have you ever heard of a little board game called Monopoly? Yeah. Yes, I have. It's a little, it's kind of a niche game, you know? Yeah, I I don't think I've actually ever played that game. It's by this, owned by this little company called Hasbro. Okay. Yeah, I've got a couple of other versions, just a couple. Okay. Yeah. But. I like Monopoly both as just a concept. The game itself is kind of wild. Um, mm-hmm. And it's one of those games where it's like you go to someone's house and they have probably heard of Monopoly. They might even have Monopoly. They might even have like enjoy playing Monopoly to mm-hmm. the point where like they've created their own house rules. Like we've Ooh. played it so much that we, you know, change stuff around, do this, make it interesting. Uh huh. It's just one of those, you know, classic staples of board game life whether or not you like playing it probably has something (laughs) to do with previous bad or good experiences (laughs) and probably nothing to do with the game itself Uh because i usually run into people they're like i love monopoly 
because I play it with great people that I like. It's like, I hate Monopoly because I played it with my uncle at Christmas and I flipped <laughs> the board table at him. <laughs> Anyways, the brief history of Monopoly starts in 1903 when Whoa. Lizzie Maggie wanted to make a pro-Georgism board game. And Georgism is a uh, political ideology uh, like capitalism, communism, etc., Interesting. Um, it's about economic policy. I'm not going to get into that. Next episode of Brad Pitt or Laser Beams. Airplanes yeah. or Monopoly. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so the that would be a tough one because it, what the game Lizzie Maggie ended up making was called The Landlord's Game. Okay. It's not called Monopoly yet. Um, it was She was living in the, uh, the Northeast New England somewhere. Um, and she wanted to promote these ideas of Henry George, which were just that, hey, if private landowners own mm. important land and only they benefit from the resources or from putting up houses and have no regulation on what they can set rent. Yeah, they're probably going to get really powerful and kind of out of control. Yeah. So. She was like the landlord's game and there were. She made it as a, an idea to get kids to play this game and sort of grow up with this inherent uh, idea of like, hey, sometimes things in life are really unfair and we got to be uh -huh. able to recognize those things. So, so she intentionally made like a very broken game where like someone yeah. is just going to like exponentially grow out of control. A great game of morals. Yeah, exactly. So 1903, she thought of it. 1904, patented it. 1906 published it under her own company with a few of her colleagues and friends. And okay. she probably based it on some uh, Native American uh, games, namely uh, Zone All. I probably am saying that incorrectly by the Kiowa peoples. Okay. Uh, but she added a bunch of her own rules. Okay. She had notably she had two modes to play monopolist mode which is okay. essentially the game we know and love today okay and anti-monopolist mode which okay. is you basically start with a completed monopoly board everyone owns okay. all the property and then it's like that person versus everyone else trying to oh interesting. There, there were like different actions and stuff you could yeah. take to try to like break up the monopoly interesting but that was 1906 in 1932 a guy by the name of Charles Darrow. Uh, I thought you were about to say Charles Darwin. I was like, no way. <laughs> Charles Darwin or Monopoly. <laughs> um, uh, went to a buddy's house, played this game for the first time, and was like, this is a cool game. Can you write down all the rules for me? Mm -hmm. And he was like, sure. And then in the true spirit of competitive markets, Charles Darrow stole <laughs> the game and published it as Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, cool game. It's mine now. <laughs> Which is such Great a job, wild... job, Charles. Yeah, while... I mean, back before, you know, modern times, word took longer to spread, so you could just be like, this is mine now. Who's going to find out? Uh-huh, uh-huh. He named it Monopoly. Uh, at this time, there were quite a few people who did this. He was just the biggest one. Uh, okay. People renamed it and added house rules and stuff, and it was called Auction and Finance and Prosperity. Um. And at the time, now that it's like a few decades old, 
it was commonplace for people to lose the original pieces to the board game, and they okay. would just use household items like thimbles. Oh, no way. Yeah. Um, but in that same year, Parker Bros. Uh, were making their own ripoff of Landlord's Game <laughs> called Fortune. <laughs> And they were Charles trying to... Dara was not the only one stealing <laughs> <No>. this book. <laughs> yeah, no. And they were racking their brains trying to figure out, like, how are we going to get away with this without Lizzie Maggie finding out and then suing uh-huh. us? Uh-huh. Um, and they found out Charles Darrow stole it already and made it Monopoly. So, like, we'll buy it from Charles Darrow. Um, nice. So that's how Char- Parker Bros got Monopoly. Eventually, it came to a point where Lizzie Maggie was like, hey, what the heck, guys? <laughs> So, Parker Bros paid her $500 in Ooh. 1932 for the board game, which nice. in modern day equates to about $11,000. Worth it. Yeah. I, there's no way they've made their money back on that. No way. <laughs> um, that's, that's the coolest part about Monopoly to me is this story. But I have a couple other like little fun facts about Monopoly um, since then. Because from there it grew... And basically is the game that we know today. Okay. Um, The original Monopoly board was based on Atlantic City, New Jersey, in terms of names of streets and stuff. I did know that. I did know that. In World War II, the British uh, SIS, their their CIA kind of, uh, they made versions of this game of Monopoly that had maps, compasses, and real money in it. Dang. And then they distributed these through fake charity organizations <laughs> to prisoners of war in Nazi camps. That so is they insane. smuggled supplies for escaping into Nazi prison camps uh, inside Monopoly games. That's really cool. Um, in 1991 is when Hasbro acquired, uh, in true Monopoly fashion, acquired Parker Bros. Uh, okay. And that's when really the diverging point of Monopoly began. Okay. They were like, here's uh, California Monopoly, here's blank Monopoly, and now we're at today where there's definitely hundreds of versions of Monopoly. It all started with good old, good old Lizzie Maggie back in 1903 trying to prove a point to younger generations <laughs> about the dangers of monopolizing. Nice. Well, I would love to talk about that more. However, due to some capitalistic ideas, uh, we're actually kind of out of recording time. Please sponsor us, and uh, we'll see you in our next episode. See ya. See ya.